Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 5050 Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. Alongside me today, I got my friend and co-host, Mason. Say what's going on, everybody. What is up? We're ready to go for uh, our third episode of our Faves and Fades series. Um, we only got one more after this. We're going up onto the wide receiver position today. Um, to me, a, a unique year for the wide receivers. I think it's a very deep position, but... Definitely some guys that are going a little later than they should be in a different and on a different side going a little uh, earlier than they should be. So we're going to touch on those a little bit today, but let's get right into it. We're going to start with our faves. Again, we're keeping you on your toes. You're never going to know if we're starting on our fades or our faves. But today we're going with our faves. And my first fave is Mike Williams. Mike Williams officially, as of an update this morning, has cracked my top 10 wide receivers. And he has officially passed Keenan Allen in my rankings. This is the X receiver in probably, I, I'm going to say the third best pass offense, maybe the second best if you put him above the Chiefs. And he's the X receiver. He's going to get all those high value plays that Keenan Allen doesn't. He gets the deep balls. He gets the red zone looks. If somebody is going to catch double digit touchdowns, this season for the Chargers, it is Mike Williams. And in a season that I think it's very likely that Herbert throws for 40 touchdowns, somebody in this offense is going to have to catch 10 to 15 touchdowns, and it is going to be Mike Williams this year. Keenan Allen just isn't that guy. Keenan Allen's going to be great. Actually, if I have Keenan Allen as my wide receiver 10, and Mike Williams my wide receiver 9. So I've got them back-to-back. But Keenan Allen just doesn't have the upside that Mike Williams has in that offense. So that's why I think Mike Williams will be the alpha dog this year. Does he get as many catches as Keenan Allen? Absolutely not. 
but I see 12 touchdowns as a very realistic outcome this season for Mike Williams. And if he's putting out 12 touchdowns and 1,100 yards, that's a great season. Um, so that's that's why I'm all over Mike Williams. He's getting the high-value looks on a very high-value passing offense. I can't go as far as saying he's a top 10 wide receiver for me this year for fantasy, but I completely do agree with you on a few points. Um, you sort of want to just pick players on elite offenses, and this might just be the best this year. Um, I really think that with the emergence of maybe uh, Josh Palmer kind of bringing in that number three role, they haven't really had a solidified three um, with Herbert yet. And now that they do, it will just stretch the field even more for the two top dogs. And I agree with you. I just don't really see Keenan Allen's ceiling being that high anymore. He's wide receiver 11 on Fantasy Pros ADP-wise. And I just don't really want to take him there when I can maybe take A.J. Brown there or I can maybe go a little bit down take Pittman or even T. Higgins is debatable um, to go with them there. And I just don't really see the ceiling with Keenan Allen anymore. And I think the only way I'd really take him is if I take a very high-risk running back or a high-risk receiver early on. And then you kind of just want that safe floor you know Keenan Allen's going to have 1,000 yards and like seven touchdowns. But for Mike Williams, you don't really know what he could do with a full season with Herbert. And can I see him getting 10 to 15 touchdowns? I probably could. I think there's going to be a steep decline with Austin Nicholas here in touchdowns. So they got to go somewhere. And like I said, this offense is going to be absolutely incredible to watch and to own in fantasy. Um, just for their strength of schedule-wise for offenses – you know they're playing all AFC West teams twice a year, but they're also now paired with the NFC West Conference uh, for the NFC divisions. So you now have three, you have four games, sorry, against those all high-powered offenses besides Seattle, of course. So those are nine games now where you have a high-scoring offense guaranteed. And then the other ones, you never know. But this is just a team that you want to own. And I agree with you. If you want to own one wide receiver on this team, it's Mike Williams for sure. Um, but we can probably move away from him now. And my first fave is a guy that actually all three of my faves are guys we talked about personally me. Uh, but number one is Brandon Cooks. Um, I went into pretty heavy detail on this guy a few weeks ago when we talked about him at Camp News. I just where he's being drafted. I just don't understand why he's not being drafted higher. He's ranked at the wide receiver 22 yet. He's never had a year worse than wide receiver 20, except one year in 2015 or 2016, sorry, is when he got hurt. And that wasn't him being a poor performance. That was literally just him having an injury. And not only has he done that for all these years, but he's done it on four different teams and I think five different QBs. And he's not that old. He's only 28. And last season, he was an absolute target, target monster, a target hog. Um, fourth in air yard share, 36%, and he had ninth in target share at 24%. And I understand the Davis Mills concern, but like I even mentioned last pod, I don't really have an issue with drafting a player there because I think Davis Mills will show a lot of signs of improvement. I don't think he's going to be that much incredible, not that much better, should I say. But if we look at Brandon Cook's stats from last year, and what he did with Davis Mills on that last few games. In the last four games of the season with Mills, Cooks was top 10 fantasy points per game, uh, 15. And also, he also was top five in target rate uh, per route run. And those numbers just kind of scream to you that 
this could be a full season type thing if he stays healthy. And like, if you just look, like I said, his ADP, wide receiver 22, pick 55. I just, would I rather take AJ Dillon or Brandon Cooks? I'm going to take Brandon Cooks. You know, there's some other wide receivers there I really like, but they don't have anywhere near the floor that Brandon Cooks has. And I think people are really sneaking, or not sneaking, but sleeping, sorry, on his ceiling. I think that he could really have maybe not a career year, but close to it. And where he's being drafted, in my opinion, it's pretty criminal. Yeah, I'm a Cooks guy as well. To me, he's just so safe. Um, one of the best wide receiver twos you can get. Obviously, there's other guys you can shoot for if you want the upside. But if you're just looking for a safe wide receiver two, I'm with you on it. Brandon Cooks, uh, he's the guy to go for. Now, my next guy isn't exactly the safest pick this year. But I think he's a guy with enough upside to currently make his ADP worth it. And that is Chris Godwin. So Chris Godwin, as of right now, we don't know if he's going to be back for sure start of the year. Maybe he misses two, three games. But you know what? That's okay because you're getting him as the wide receiver 28 currently. This is behind guys like Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Allen Robinson, Marquise Brown. Um, those are all guys that are solid wide receivers and they have a little bit of upside as well. But you're getting a genuinely elite wide receiver right now at the 28th spot in positionally right at this point. Um, this is a value you cannot pass up. I think in a lot of competitive leagues, he's not dropping to this point. But if you are in more of a, a casual league all day long, even even go out and grab him around early because you've got to make sure you're getting Chris Godwin. He's going back to the Tom Brady offense. Antonio Brown's not there um, again this, to start this year. So there's really no true number three, I guess, Julio Jones there. But to me, Julio Jones has absolutely zero impact on Chris Godwin's value. So Chris Godwin, you're getting a wide receiver one on your team when he comes back. Maybe even he takes a couple games to get fully up to speed and you're, you're not getting full Chris Godwin until week five or six. That's okay. That is completely okay because you're drafting as your wide receiver three right now. And ultimately, those are the important weeks. Week six on, those are the weeks that you need to start racking up your Ws. And Chris Godwin is going to help a lot of teams do that with this absolutely unbelievable value that he's currently offering at that wide receiver 28 spot. I agree, man. Chris Godwin's an absolute smash for me this year. Um, before we filmed, when May sent me in his three faves, it was actually every single fave that I want to talk about. Uh, so I was kind of left in a little bit of a dilemma there. And I really want to talk about Chris Godwin because I think, again, like Brandon Cooks, it's criminal where he's being drafted at. Uh, this is a guy last year, he was second in receptions. He had 92 through week 14. And as long as that, as well as that, sorry, he had eight, he was eighth in fantasy points per game, 18.1, while leading Tampa Bay with over a 20% target share. And that was all until he got hurt. And we understand that. The ACL thing kind of sucks, but from all the indication we're getting out of camp right now is that he looks better than ever somehow. I don't understand how ACLs just don't mean a thing anymore. It seems like guys can recover from them like seven months now, but he's just, you, you, he, in my opinion, he could be Brady's number one this year. And I understand Mike Evans is being drafted a lot higher, but in a PPR league, especially Chris Godwin's the guy you want. Um, I think Mike Evans is still a guy to take again. He's kind of like a key noun for me. He's just like that safe floor guy. But Chris Godwin at his ADP has a ceiling that no other receiver in that area has. Um, just because of this injury, you're now getting him two rounds below what you were over last year. And I just don't know, man. Like, 
like we were talking about with Mike Williams, it's just you pick players on elite offenses and Chris Goblin's playing with the greatest quarterback to ever throw football. So you just you just don't shy away from that. Don't get fancy. Take Chris Godwin in that fifth round area, and you will not regret it. I trust trust me, you will not regret it. Um, I think we're good with Godwin now because we've talked about him before too. Um, the next guy, my next fave, is a guy that I talked about pretty extensively a few weeks ago. Uh, it's Brandon Ayuk, and I know what you're thinking. He didn't have a great year last year, but the last week or two, he has been absolutely buzzing in training camp. Um, it seems that every day you kind of see a new story on him, impressing the coaches, impressing um, opponents, impressing teammates. He's When Debo wasn't there for his contract, uh, Brandon Ayuk really won over that locker room. He was the undisputed leader of that room, and it really came out um, in that early week or two without Debo that he was going to step up this year. And it wasn't just his leadership. It was also his play. But this wasn't really a surprise because I, I dropped a stat in that um, divisional preview, and I'll say it again. So for Brandon Ayuk weeks from one through eight, he averaged two catches for 20 yards with 0.1 touchdowns, um, and he was the wide receiver 88. And from weeks nine to 18, Brandon Ayuk averaged 4.3 receptions over 68 yards, 0.4 touchdowns, and was the wide receiver 16. And now we're transitioning into a year where Jimmy Garoppolo is not starting. There's not going to be these short dump offs anymore to Debo. Debo will still get his catches, but you're now looking at Trey Lance, who we have seen so far in camp, that Kyle Shanahan is letting him throw the ball downfield. And his number one guy down deep field is Brandon Ayuk. And he was the wide receiver 16, and now you're drafting at the wide receiver 39. So I just don't really see that the, the value there. The value there for him is off the charts, in my opinion, because you're really not missing out on anybody else too important. You're taking a guy that, in my opinion, has a higher ceiling than any other receiver in his range just because of what happened last year. You're looking at guys like Tyler Lockett, Drake London, uh, DeAndre Hopkins because of the suspension, and a little bit lower than him, Traylon Burks. So I don't know why you would ever take a guy like Tyler Lockett over Brandon Ayuk. Um, better quarterback play, hopefully, but also it's just a better ran offense. And we know that Trey Lance is going to push the ball down field now. And I just don't understand why people have not really clued in more to Brandon Ayuk yet. He has moved up a little bit. When we recorded that episode, he was wide receiver 45, I think. And he's moved up six spots in just, I think, about a week. And I think that every day he'll move up somewhat uh, until this next week when most fantasy drafts will be. So for me, I just don't see why at that range, you just don't take Brandon Ayuk there. I think his ceiling is so high compared to everybody else in that range. And I just don't understand why you just wouldn't take a shot at him. Yeah, I actually, I had Ayuk as a guy I was considering for my list as well. Um, I, I think he does have a bounce back season. I'm not as high on him as you, but Ayuk is a guy that I really like at his ADP as well. Um, my final fave, again, I, I'm sorry to do this back-to-back -back episode. I'm, I'm making a Homer pick here. Uh, but we've got Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie is assuming the slot role for the Buffalo Bills this season. And as we all remember, this was a role that was 
highly beneficial for fantasy when we had um, when we had Cole Beasley in there. So Cole Beasley was putting up highly productive fantasy seasons from this role on this team. Isaiah McKenzie is a hundred times the athlete of of Cole Beasley. Anyone that's been paying attention to the Buffalo Bills the last three years has seen the explosiveness that Isaiah McKenzie offers um, in, in small bursts. Obviously, we haven't seen it in, in a large volume at this point, but we've seen him on returns. We've seen him on end-around handoffs. We've seen some explosive plays out of screens. So this is a guy that is highly explosive and is going into a role that has been highly effective for fantasy purposes. Josh Allen, he's going to look at Diggs. He's going to look at uh, Gabe Davis down the field deep. But Josh Allen, when it comes down to his check down, prefers to go to his slot guy over his running back. And that could be because Devin Singletary has been his running back. Devin Singletary has hands of stone. But traditionally, Josh Allen has preferred to check it down to the slot guy. And Isaiah McKenzie is a guy that can take those short plays and turn them into big yardage gainers. So he's not a guy that's going to catch the ball and get tackled right away. He's super elusive. He's small and slippery. He's a good route runner in tight. He moves really well. And I think this is a guy that's just going to get a lot of volume. He's going to be, in my opinion, a solid week-to-week flex option. And this this was actually shocking to me because I have Isaiah McKenzie right now as wide receiver 45 which I thought, I, I knew I was high on him, but I didn't think I was that high. His ADP is currently wide receiver 72. He's behind Corey Davis and Van Jefferson. Um, he's only one above Robbie Anderson and two above Nico Collins. Where, where Isaiah McKenzie is going is insane. This is the starting slot guy on a pass-heavy offense in which their quarterback loves dumping it off to their slot guy. Not to mention, he is extremely explosive and has the potential to take any play all the way to the house. So Isaiah McKenzie, forget drafting him at wide receiver 72. Draft him at wide receiver 45, for all I care. Because this is a guy that you're going to want on your team, and he's going to be a reliable week-to-week flex option for you. And I agree. I, I do like McKenzie. And this is a guy that I was looking at really early on in the season. Um, and then now he's sort of kind of taken over in camp with all this Twitter hype and you're right like I don't know where this whole um, argument being said that Josh Allen doesn't use his slot guy when literally two years ago Cole Beasley almost had a thousand yards in that slot position with him and I love Cole Beasley as a player but Isaiah McKenzie is a much different athlete than Cole Beasley uh, Cole Beasley is a great route runner very elusive but does I does he have the speed that Isaiah McKenzie has? No, he, he really doesn't. And I think that if McKenzie can kind of settle down and start the year at that slot position, I don't see how he couldn't finish the year with 800 yards and a few touchdowns. Again, I, that's my ceiling for him, I think, just because there's so many guys there. There's so many mouths to feed in that offense. But looking down from the future, I think McKenzie will only get better every year as we go on. But right now, I agree. I think that where he's being drafted is insane. And if you're in a PPR league, why not just take that shot in him in the later round? I wouldn't say draft him at wide receiver 45. I think there's some guys there that might have more significant value. But I agree with you in those later rounds. If you're looking at maybe second string or third string running backs uh, on a more high offense team, why not take the slot starting slot receiver that we think he will be 
and that it's pretty much guaranteed at this point that he will be the starting slot receiver on easily a top two offense in the NFL. So for that, I completely agree with you, Mace. Um, he's a guy to really look out for, but as far as this year, I can't see him really eclipsing that number just because there's so many guys there. Uh, there's three running backs right now. I don't know. It's just a tough kind of situation to look at. And there's two solidified or one solidified wide receiver. And there's another guy, Gabe Davis, who's been hyped like crazy at a camp too. So we can move away from McKenzie because we got, got to pick up the pace here. My last fave is a guy that I talked about. Again, these are all three guys that I really love going into this year. This is a guy I loved always. Uh, it's DJ Moore. Um, DJ Moore, for some reason, with um, attaining Baker Mayfield from the Panthers, somehow is still not moved up in ADP. I don't really know how. Um, if you really just look at the numbers from last year before Baker got hurt in week six, uh, in those first five weeks or six weeks, should I say, uh, the Cleveland Browns ranked sixth in yards per attempt at 8.5, and they were seventh at ADOT um, at 9.6. So those are two pretty high statistics for air yards. And we look at DJ Moore, and this is a guy that's never had a QB to really push the ball downfield. And I know Baker Mayfield's not a elite quarterback, but we talked about it on the division preview. For the guys that he's played with, it is a massive upgrade. And people that say it's not a massive upgrade don't understand that Baker Mayfield is not an awful quarterback. And I never have been a Baker Mayfield fan per se. And I know you haven't either, Mace. But we both mutually agreed that compared to the uh, quarterbacks he's had, this is going to be a massive difference. This is a guy that's pretty much eclipsed 1,200 yards for three straight years. But what's the issue with him? He hasn't had a year over four touchdowns. He had four touchdowns last year, the year before, and the year before. So now Baker Mayfield's there, and all we're hearing from camp is, who's Baker Mayfield's favorite red zone target? It's DJ Moore. And I could see him having a career year in pretty much every receiving category. I see him even breaking his targets from last year, getting even more receptions, more yards, and hopefully for the sake of every fantasy manager, more touchdowns, because that is the one thing that has made him not really be able to maybe eclipse that wide receiver one position in fantasy football. Yeah. D DJ Moore is a guy that I like as well. And he is super reliable. I question whether he will be able to get over that hump with the touchdowns. But like you said, even if he gets up to seven, eight touchdowns, which isn't insane, it's within the realm of possibilities for him. That does make him a legitimate top fantasy receiver absolute lock to be in the top 12 probably top 10 with a stat line like that so um, DJ Moore is a guy with a, a more polished quarterback I would say over Sam Darnold this year getting Baker Mayfield in there so it, it is an upgrade and DJ Moore is a guy to me he's kind of like a like a rich man's Brandon Cooks he's a little more explosive than Brandon Cooks but they're both kind of that baseline DJ Moore, you're pretty much guaranteed 1,200 yards. Cooks, you're kind of guaranteed 1,000, right? Both of them struggle to score touchdowns, but if either of them do, they become elite. Um, so that's kind of how I view DJ Moore this season. Um, but let's get on to the guys we don't like so much. Like you said, we're, we're running out of time here, Mikey, so we'll have to get through these a little quicker. But my first one is Terry McLaurin. Uh, it's for a very simple reason. Carson Wentz sucks at football. And this offense is going to be completely terrible and an absolute dumpster fire all season. Um, I just want to change my prediction on this division 
I do now predict that the Eagles will finish higher than the Washington Commanders. But yeah, this is an offense that's going to be completely just unusable throughout the whole year. Um, guys like Dotson and Brian Robinson, where you're getting them later in the draft, sure, throw throw a draft pick at them. But currently where you have to draft Terry McLaurin is just far too high for the risk of him being a complete bust. He's currently wide receiver 17, going over guys like Mike Williams, guys like Amon Ross A. Brown, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown. Um, I just don't see Wentz being as much of an upgrade over their quarterback room that they had last year as people think. I don't think this offense will really be any better. And even last season, Terry McLaurin was beyond, I had him, he was beyond frustrating to own. He had 20 points one week, two points the next three, put up 25. It was just a mess. You never knew when to play the guy. And I don't think Carson Wentz is going to fix that. So that is why I am fading Terry McLaurin all day long. Yeah, and... It's just another guy that's uber talented, but in a really awful situation. Uh, it's sad, but I, I I would I I know it's not like a per se fade, but if you get good value on him, I'm still gonna take him because talent does talk in the end. But you know, it, it's just tough with Carson Wentz there, and he he did support Michael Pittman last year, but I just don't think this O line's nearly as good as the Colts was, and Wentz had probably the best O line he's ever had in his career. Uh, maybe with the Eagles, but the Colts last year was pretty strong, obviously, with the emergence of Taylor. But I agree. I wouldn't take him as ADP, but maybe if he slides down a few spots and you need a wide receiver, a wide receiver two, maybe. I don't have an issue starting at one wide receiver two, but again, it's just kind of a guy that it just sucks to see him at this spot. But let's move on from him. And this next guy I'll keep pretty short because, like you said, we are running a little bit of time here, but it's Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen, for me, has always been a consistent fantasy wide receiver, and I think this might be the year where he really steps back in the wrong direction. Um, He's being drafted at the wide receiver 31, which I know seems low, but the guys around him, I just don't know why I would take Adam Thielen over them. Uh, We're talking about Juju Smith, Schuster, Elijah Moore, um, even guys in different positions like Chase Edmonds, Bateman, uh, Devontae Smith, Ramondre Stevenson, you get the deal. I just don't see his ceiling and his ADP really making sense why he'd be there. I don't think I'll draft him in pretty much any of my leagues this year just because I I really just don't think he'll meet that ADP. And even if he does, which he could, he's another guy like Terry that kind of just has these big weeks and then will do nothing for two weeks and then vice versa. And I really just think that Minnesota will have a little bit of a different offense this year. Jefferson's the guy. I think KJ Osborne's going to break out a little bit more. Uh, you got Dalvin Cook there, Irv Smith. There's a lot of guys there. And I just really don't think that Adam Thielen fits in there, especially to be a top 70 fantasy football player. So that's all I got to say about Adam Thielen. Yeah, I'm not huge on him either. Like you said, I, I just don't see the upside with him. He's got the injury history. So Thielen is 100% a guy that I am uh, not not going to be drafting as well. Um, my next guy, and I think we're touching on both receivers at some point today in this in this locker room, but my first guy is Jalen Waddle. Obviously, an absolutely insanely insanely talented player, amazingly gifted athlete, and in no way am I saying that I don't don't like Jalen Waddle as a player. I simply just cannot buy in 
to this offense being able to support two top wide receivers yet. Tua could prove me wrong this year, 100%, and the next year we could be all over both Waddle and Hill. But as of right now, I just cannot invest um, a second, third round pick. Right right now, Jalen Waddle's 39. So I guess you're looking at, yeah, third, early fourth. I just can't invest that pick in that offense at this point. I just don't think that they can fully support two top wide receivers. And if a wide receiver is going to boss between him and Hill, I think it's going to be him. They've invested too much in Tyree Kill, traded away too many picks, given him too much money to not feature the offense around him. And that's why I, I do believe if one of these wide receivers are going to kind of fade out of this offense a little bit, it will unfortunately be this uber-talented Jalen Waddle. Yeah, and I agree. And my next guy is actually... Uh, Tyree Kill. So we kind of go back to back here. And I agree with Waddle. These are two guys that I really like. And I've always liked Hill. And I, I'm super high on Waddle. And I was actually kind of mad that Hill got traded to Miami because I really think that we were about to see a huge year for Jalen Waddle. And now it's just, it just won't happen. Tua will not be able to support two wide receivers in this offense. Um, Waddle isn't a high pick per se, but he's still being picked at wide receiver 17. And as far as Hill goes, he's even being drafted too high. In my opinion, uh, he's at the wide receiver eight spot. And these are just, that's just so much, not pressure per se, but I can't bank on using those two high, um, draft capital picks on these two guys to rely on Tua. I just, I can't bring myself to it. I love Tyreek and I love Jalen Waddle, but I might disagree with you here on this one that I think Tyreek Hill is more bust worthy than Waddle because I think Waddle will be that short field maneuver guy and Hill will be the deep downfield target. Hill will still get his short stuff and he will break some tackles for a huge gain, but I think Waddle in the end will get more receptions and he'll be more fancy value. But at the same time, keep it short with these two guys. I'm not a massive fan of where they're being drafted at. It's just too high. If if they had maybe a top 10 quarterback on their team, I would say, okay, I have no issue with drafting Tyree Kill at the wide receiver eight. And I have no issue taking Wild at the wide receiver 17. But we're talking about Tua here, a guy that has not been able to get it going yet. I know he hasn't had any incredible weapons, but I just can't bring myself to drafting two guys that high with a quarterback like Tua at the rain there in Miami. Yep, and I don't have much more to add to that because your your reasoning is kind of similar to my reasoning on fading Jalen Waddle. Um, but my last fade here is DK Metcalf, and it, it's similar to the Terry McLaurin reasoning. Again, a really good wide receiver who does have great fantasy days in front of him. He's super young, super talented, but this is just not the year for DK Metcalf. Drew Locke has never been able to support any type of fantasy relevant receiver on a week to week basis. And I don't expect that to start now. There's still Tyler, Tyler Lockett there. Who's going to command targets. Um, this is a team that likes to run a lot and, and move the ball really slowly down the field. And I get they're going to be losing a lot of games, but like I touched on in our running back faves and fades, I don't think Pete Carroll gives a damn. He's going to keep running the ball no matter what. They know they're not winning this year, and I think they're completely fine to not win this year. So DK Metcalf is a guy that I think is going to get low volume, 
Uh, he might have those occasional boom weeks where he just happens to burn a guy twice in the same game and has two 40-yard touchdowns. It's going to happen at some point this year, 100%. But the three weeks before that, he's going to put up less than five fantasy points. So he's probably not even in your lineup for that week. So DK Metcalf is a guy that at the end of the year, yeah, maybe he still finishes as a top 24 wide receiver, but his week-to-week consistency is going to be so bad and it's going to be so unpredictable when you should be playing him that it's not actually going to be uh, a, a true indication of how the season went for DK Metcalf. So stay away from DK. You're not going to know when to play the guy for his boom games. It's going to be, I, I'm thinking, take a look at Terry McLaurin's game to game last year. I think that's pretty much exactly what we're seeing out of DK Metcalf this season. So as of right now, stay away from DK Metcalf. It's a dumpster fire team. Do not touch DK Metcalf at his current ADP of wide receiver 19. And to keep it short with you, I agree with everything you said, and there's no really need for me to elaborate on that because it's DK Metcalf and it's the Seattle Seahawks. And for my last uh, fade, it's a little bit of an open-ended one here uh, because there's two guys here that I think are being a little bit rated too high. And me and Mason talked about this before, so me and him are going to kind of go at this together. Um, it's regarding the Denver Broncos wide receiver room. And I understand people really like they're comparing it to the uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett situation in Seattle. And I get that it's an easy comparison to be made, but neither of those guys are their counterparts from Seattle. And I just don't really understand why people keep saying that. I get that it's appealing Russell Wilson on a good O-line with a receiver that has played good before, but they're, not really fading Cortland Sutton. I'm just fading his ADP. And I think it's, again, it's a guy that is being drafted just too high. And um, I, I just don't really understand, like even Mace was saying before, that there's a guy on uh, another fantasy website that said he would have no issue with drafting Cortland Sutton in the second round, which is absolutely absurd to me. And Mace, I'll kind of open it up to you now too. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this together, me and you. Um, do you have a preferred guy here? Like what's the better value in your opinion? The better value is by far Jerry Judy right now. If I had to place just a straight up bet on who I think is going to end the higher fantasy receiver, I would slightly edge towards Sutton. But right now we've got Sutton going as wide receiver 20 and Judy is 25. Um, that That is a big gap. So Right now, I like Judy for the value. I I don't love either value, in all honesty. I just, I want to wait a year. I want to see what happens in this offense first before jumping all over these two guys. If you take a look, I think it's going to be kind of similar to a Baldwin-Lockett situation in uh, in Seattle, which was a little bit frustrating. They were a little bit boom and bust, those guys, kind of going back and forth. I could see that being what happens here i don't think we're gonna have a a cooper cup robert woods situation like last year for some reason everyone is thinks it's appropriate to compare stafford going to the rams and wilson going to uh to denver they're completely different quarterbacks stafford always had just a number one guy that has never ever been russell wilson's 
target style, he's always had at least two primary receivers and then kind of falls off after that. So I don't think either of these guys are going to have a massive season. I could see both of them being wide receiver twos maybe, but I don't see either of them pushing towards a wide receiver one, uh, just the way that Russell Wilson splits up the uh, splits up his targets. So I don't like either value, but as of right now, I, I do prefer Cherry Judy's. Yeah, man. And I agree. And that brings us to the end of the pod. So before we wrap up here, Mace, um, our three faves and fades for the wide receiver position uh, for me, uh, Brandon Cooks, DJ Moore, and Ayuk are my faves. And for my fades, I got Adam Thielen, Tyree Kill, and Cortland Sutton slash Jerry Judy. Mace, what about you? For my faves, I have Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, and Isaiah McKenzie and fades. I've got three super talented dudes, but unfortunately real bad situations, Terry McLaurin, Jalen Waddle, and DK Metcalf. All right, Mace. Well, that's all we got for today. So close us off like you usually do. And that's all we got. Yep. We will be back next Tuesday. We are going to have our final faves and fades. It's going to be for the tight end position. A little bit of an interesting year for the tight ends. I think it's deep. I think we got a lot of sleepers this year mm-hmm. at the tight end position. Uh, not David and Joku. Not David and Joku. <laughs> not Please. him though. Not him. Not though. David and Joku. But anyways, we will uh, see you all next week. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you another time. Hope you have yourself a great day. See ya. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 